0: cement industry is waste positive. Cement, you know, accepts the waste from the other industry and uh, burns it into their kilns to utilize the calorific value attached over here. The cement bag which is going, let's say for example, but at the same time in the form of, you know, municipal solid waste or for that reason, the uh, waste which is coming out from the industry, Uh, That is close to about, uh, you know, 110, 120,000 tons. So we are per se 1.5, 1.57 times uh, West positive, I would say.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the first edition of Bending the Lines, a circular lens of industries. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Shashmat Gangwal and I'm the founder of Infinity Box. It is my earnest request to all of you to tune in and spread the word. Because after all the pandemics and the war's end, one war, which we will always be fighting for is the one for our planet and for our future generation. Our guest for today is Mr. Ervind Bodankar. He's an HSE and sustainability professional with over 30 years of experience in petrochemicals, steel, cement, glass, FMCG, pharma and automobile sectors but currently he is working as the Executive President and CSO at UltraTech Cement, India's largest and world's leading cement company. Prior to this, he served as the CSO of Tata Motors and Associate Vice President of Sustainability at Mondelez International for 4 years each. Arvind is extremely active in the sustainability circle and safety forums and is on advisory boards of organizations like the CII, the Global Cement and Concrete Associations, Amongst others. In this episode, we learn how the cement industry works, how cement is made, what different stages contribute to environmental degradation, and how it is being tackled by Ultratech Cement, the largest player in the industry, and also the industry as a whole. Mr. Armin even busts a few myths about how it is perceived as waste negative, amongst others. And at the end, he gives us actionable steps as responsible consumers. To reduce our carbon footprint uh thank you so much for joining us today mr arvind it's an absolute pleasure to have you here and and i really hope that uh, people who are tuning in will learn a lot about the cement industry and how we're moving towards circular economy uh, in that space uh, directly from you thank you Shashwat, and thank you infinity box for giving me this opportunity and it will be my pleasure to speak. Superb. So uh, Mr. Ervin, you have an extensive experience in the cement space, right? But but I think a, a, a basic thing that we all lack is a understanding of the value chain of the industry, uh, what is the carbon footprint that we're talking about. I mean, we all understand that it's huge, uh, but we, we aren't really able to place a number or understand how it's broken up. So it would be really helpful if you could just explain it to us like a, like a three-year-old.
0: Cement, as we all know, is a binder or in simple words is a glue which is extensively used in building construction. It binds material like gravel, sand, aggregate, steel to create a structure. Cement value chain if you ask me is relatively simple and it is not complex. The major raw material required for cement manufacturing is limestone which is also called as calcium carbonate. Now this limestone comes from captive mines. Uh, you also need uh, ferrous oxide, aluminium oxide, silica, gypsum and few other additives to manufacture cement. The mined raw material is first crushed into a crusher to a size of approximately 20 mm. This then is conveyed to an uh, area uh, where it is stacked. And depending upon the requirement, it is mixed with the other raw material and fade to pre-calciner. Now, this pre-calciner is nothing but a preheater where we use the waste heat from the kilns and uh, preheat the raw raw mix. This preheated raw mix is then fed to a kiln. Now, kiln is a heart of cement manufacturing process where you have different temperature zones. Uh, And a maximum temperature of about 1450 degrees Celsius. Here in this kiln, the calcium carbonate is converted to calcium oxide. And this is nothing but a clinker. This clinker is then uh, fed to cement mill where it is ground to finer size and converted into a cement. This cement thus produced is packed into the bags and dispatched to Uh, various consumer. It is also sold through bulk routes or uh, through the uh, rakes also. Now, as far as the carbon footprint uh, of cement uh, value chain is concerned, uh, the maximum CO2 emission happens when we convert calcium carbonate into calcium oxide that is uh, nothing but the calcination process so 60% of the carbon emission happens at the calcination process either in the pre calciner or into the kilns. Then about 30% uh, emission happens uh, when we uh, heat the uh, 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 calcium carbonate uh, with the help of fuel. Uh, So burning of fuel contributes about 30% of the carbon emission and about 10% is contributed uh, by the electricity which is produced uh, into the captive power plant. 60% 60% process related emissions 30% fuel related emissions and 10% power related so this is at a high level the carbon footprint of uh, uh, cement manufacturing process is
1: so and and that, that's very interesting because um, two things right so first is that uh waste is is a huge issue in the cement industry right so I, the, some facts say that around 50 to sixty thousand metric tons of waste is generated annually by the cement industry in india so that's that's huge, right? And and you told me that you're trying to use that like different types of waste in, in generating, uh, you know, and using it as fuel. So how much of an impact has it had? And is it is that scalable? That's the first question. And and the second question is, um, when we're talking about, uh, you know, like the like the process not like the technology not allowing us to target the process, do you see that changing in the future?
0: So, first of all, you know, I would beg to defer with you that cement industry is generating waste. In fact, it is vice versa. Uh, in fact, cement industry is waste positive uh, and uh, for example, let's say uh, cement, uh, cement, you know, accept the waste from the other industry and uh, burns it into their kilns. Uh, to utilize the calorific value attached over here uh, uh, to that particular uh, fuel. And, uh, you know, it it tries to uh, recycle the waste of the other industry rather than generating. Now, as a cement industry, what kind of waste is being generated? Uh, The first one is the the bags. So the PP bags in which cement is packed and sold. Now those bags, uh, you know, have uh, multiple utility in the in the language of circular economy. If you see that uh, make, use, reuse, remake, and recycle, uh, so all these stages are being uh, uh, you know these bags are being utilized. So first they are used in the, to to uh, uh, transport the uh, to sell the uh, cement. Uh, then, uh, you know, it has multiple uses then thereafter. So people use it for uh, storing aggregate, people use it for storing some uh, transporting some sand and there are multiple uses. And finally, when everything uh, it's beyond use, then it is uh, actually recycled again as a fuel. Uh, so. Uh, so per se, the, uh, uh, the cement bag which is going, let's say for example, uh, uh, say that's around 70,000 tons uh, which is being put into the market, you said about 50 to 60,000, but at the same time in the form of you know, municipal solid waste and the uh, refuse uh, derived fuel which we are utilizing from, uh, uh, which we are uh, collecting from various uh, municipal solid waste uh, sites. Or for that reason, the uh, uh west which is coming out from the industry uh that is close to about uh you know 110 120,000 tons. So we are per se 1.5 1.57 times uh west positive, I would say.
1: Wow, wow, that that is uh that is quite interesting, and I don't think that is how uh people portray it, uh like online or, or in the articles or the reports that I read which is. Uh, Quite a useful insight. So thank you for sharing that. But is it true for all uh, like across the industry? Is it an industry standard or is it just another one of those practices that Ultratech is pioneering uh,
0: right now? In fact, Ultratech started this way back in our Vikram cement plant uh, and we are the pioneer for this. Uh, But now this practice is being used by more or less uh, almost uh, every cement industry, every large cement industry. Uh, So this is being, uh, but we have a larger footprint. We are a biggest uh, uh, cement producer in India and our uh, total capacity is 117 million tons. So naturally our appetite is more and more or more waste uh, we can collect from uh, municipalities or industries and we can utilize that waste.
1: Right, understood. Thank you for sharing that. Um, uh, and actually, it's a very uh, good, good surprise, right? It's a, it's a very pleasant surprise to know that that cement industry is very positive. Uh, what about the other things? So, so when we said that we can't really target the sixty percent uh, of CO two that's generated today, I, I'm assuming that's that's the current technology that's blocking us. Do you see that changing uh, in, in like while we're heading into the future?
0: lot of work is going on uh, but it's uh, still at a conceptual stage and uh, uh, it would take some more time to uh, commercialize or uh, you know actually bringing it at the uh, unit level at the operational level Uh, some of the things which uh, i clearly see is uh, uh, you know uh, first uh, utilising, you know, uh, um, either uh, electricity or maybe some microwave for calcination process so that we can get rid of uh, the fuel which is utilised for calcination and the other one is how can we have a substitute for the clinker itself. So clinker is the key binding material for the cement, uh, uh, you know, and uh, there are efforts going on if you could replace clinker by, you know, some calcined clay or uh, something else. So there is a lot of research work happening at this point of time, uh, but it would take some time to actually uh, materialize or commercialize that thing.
1: Very interesting, because actually that, that sort of opens up two things. One is that this is a very interesting avenue for any budding social entrepreneur to take up. Right, This is a problem that's faced by the entire cement industry, and this is the largest footprint. So if we can figure out a way uh, that could revolutionize the cement industry, as you rightly put. Uh, but but the, the second thing is you talked about some innovations that are happening in the industry. right? So uh, in, in one of the reports uh, of, of Ellen MacArthur's foundation, uh, it, it was noted that uh, glass is 100% recyclable, but either there are no glass recycling programs, uh, like, or they're being ad- abandoned over profitability challenges, or marketing challenges, or one of the other reasons, right? So uh, what are some of the innovative practices that uh, uh, like, I mean, first of all, what's your opinion on this entire issue? And second of all, what are some of the innovative practices that are coming up in the cement industry to help um, move towards a more circular future?
0: Fortunately, I work in the glass industry and, you know, a lot of recycling programs I had uh, initiated over there and uh, sort the glass uh, uh, recycling is, you know, energy intensive process. Uh, as I said, uh, if you see the five stages of uh, circularity, it is, you know, uh, make, uh, use, uh, reuse, remake and recycle. Uh, so, up to, uh, up to third or fourth stage it is possible, but recycling of uh, glass, you know, completely remolding it or putting it back into the furnace is very energy intensive and uh, to, to melt the glass it uh, requires about uh, uh, 1600 degrees Celsius or more temperature actually depending upon what type of glass it is and if it is a composite kind of thing it may require even more energy to melt it and that's why people are not if we if we had to see in the uh, you know whole life uh, perspective of the glass recycling is not that uh, sustainable honestly speaking Uh, so the one thing which we can do with the glass is uh, you know remake or reuse that water So the glass bottles which are being used, uh, you know, efforts are being made to reuse that, extend its life, uh, uh, prolong its life. And uh, finally, when it is broken down, uh, then, uh, you know, make uh, some other application out of it. Like I was working in the fiberglass industry and, uh, you know, I had uh, developed many uh, uh, applications for the fiberglass and uh, right from the uh, swimming pool equipment to the slides uh, uh, to, to, you know, various uh, like corrugated sheets. So a lot of applications have been developed, uh, uh, but recycling uh, is a energy intensive. And when we see the whole life approach, uh, we will be generating more carbon footprint if re- we recycle the uh, glass. So that's the uh, uh, that's the uh, issue with uh, glass.
1: Right. Very interesting. Um, right, that, that's a very different take, right? I mean, we keep hearing, uh, and maybe that's the idealistic perspective that we keep hearing from uh, like environmental enthusiasts that, you know what, this is completely recyclable, why aren't you doing it? But bringing your insight into it of the practicality of the solution that you require 1600 degrees, it's such an energy intensive process. We still haven't figured out how to ensure that it is profitable uh, or can be done on a small scale, et cetera. Uh, like It's something that, again, not only is an avenue that we should uh, look up, but till then, uh, the solutions that you suggested, like reuse and extending its life, are, are very viable solutions, in my belief. And I think we should definitely be extending uh, the, the use of these practices and making people more aware. So again, thank you for sharing that. Um, see, we, we, we've we spoken a lot about how the cement industry works, but, but a major issue uh, is that it is, it is two sets of stakeholders, right? uh the, the, the industry in general like it's it's the you it's you guys who are the producers but then there are the builders right uh, who are who end up buying it from you who are in, you, like at uh, uh, the, the end users so how are, if at all uh, like cement manufacturers incentivizing um uh, builders or or buyers to opt for lower footprint blended, blended cements
0: incentivizing uh, you know cement is a commodity honestly speaking and uh, you know price plays a very important role uh, in uh, selling cement white of course uh, for applications like where you require better strength there of course people will prefer a branded cement and who has uh, proven record and um, high standards of quality uh, like uh, you know bridges, dams uh, and uh, infrastructure which is related to the uh, which which has a bearing on the life of the people there, of course, uh, uh, people will go for quality and price will not matter at that point of time. Uh, But otherwise, you know, when you are selling into a trade, you know, one back two back, you know, 10 bags there, uh, you know, people are more uh, driven by the price. And uh, I will tell you, of course, uh, I may not be exactly tell you the difference between the, uh, you know, OPC or PPC cement. Uh, so PPC will be cheaper as compared to OPC because OPC has higher clinker factor. So there, there, there is definitely a incentive kind of thing and PPC will be more sustainable as compared to OPC. Uh, because it ha- it is a blended and it is using, utilizing the waste from other industry uh, I, I missed telling you one uh, point and we are using almost 15000 tons of 15500 tons of uh, waste from the other industry which includes uh, fly ash from the thermal power plant which use which is uh, which includes uh, the slack from uh, steel plants uh so uh, once once upon a time you might be you might have heard that you know uh, fly ash or the pond ash is a big issue with the thermal power plants but now today they are dried up with the uh, fly ash and uh, all the fly ash is being you utilized by the cement industry uh, and utilizing the uh you know the uh, some of the uh, uh, properties with this fly hash uh, in uh, you know in the cement manufacturing uh, so, uh, you know, uh, the red mud, which was one point of time a big issue with the um, aluminum industry that is also being used by uh, cement industry. So a lot of waste from other industry, in fact, almost every industry is looking at cement industry uh, for, uh, you know, uh, utilizing their waste or, uh, you know, uh, helping them in disposing of their waste. One point of time, it was a big issue and they used to pay for disposing of uh, this. Uh, uh, waste. Now, of course, uh, uh, I, I'm not sure, but uh, if if not, if they're not generating money, they're at least not spending money on disposing it off. So cement industry is playing a huge role in uh, circular economy and, uh, you know, helping uh, other industries to uh, dispose of their waste. Uh, and some of the examples I already told you, like uh, flash from the power plants, uh, slag from the steel plants and uh, red mud from the um, uh, aluminum industry so that's being utilized now having added this uh, material to the cement and reduce the clinker factor of it uh, makes cement uh, cheaper as well as the carbon footprint will be less naturally the energy required so carbon is uh, directly a function of uh, energy which is used so uh, if you have lesser carbon emitted you require lesser energy uh, you have definitely put in lesser energy for producing it and lesser energy means lesser cost uh, so, definitely the blended cement will be cheaper um, as compared to the, uh, uh, you can say, high uh, cement with high clinker factor. So, that uh, price difference is a driver or a uh, incentive for the uh, consumers or the customers uh, to use the environment-friendly cement. Uh, so, this is for the in the trade sector, but if you see the institutional or key accounts, they are of course, uh, we have various uh, products, you know, weather shield, we have other uh, uh, products, you know, uh, which consumes less water for this uh, for construction or curing. These kind of products are very uh, useful and uh, when they, they when they declare that their buildings or their structures are uh, eco friendly or green structure. Uh, uh, they can utilize this cement, of course. So, so that green tag, uh, they can uh, they can uh, uh, put that green tag when they use the eco-friendly cement.
1: Got it. So, so you're telling me that so in two types of buyers, which is either the traders, which are small set of like a smaller unit, versus an institutional buyer. Uh, institutional buyer is benefited because quality. You are talking about a green tag to the building, which sort of matters to people. Uh, and and for uh, traders, you're talking about. Uh, changing the composition of so so going for a blended cement, reducing the clinker factor, and it is cheaper in general. Like because you reduce the cl- clinker factor. So in both the cases, uh, moving towards a more circular uh, you know future, moving towards a more sustainable source of uh, cement uh, actually is incentivizing both the groups uh, to adopt it. Correct. Right? Correct. Correct. Awesome. So so I mean that, that's a very very good uh, thing that's happened. That I think that's a very uh, good moving that's happening in industry. And, um, but I think at this point in time, like, like, and today, like, when you're talking about in April, when, when we're dealing with Corona and all, right? So, uh, I, I, I did have a, a question on that, right? So, I think everybody does, especially. So, when we last spoke, we, you were telling me how plants are opening up, right? And you're having to look after that. When we talk about regulations, um, you have like, a, a, a like, USA, which allowed uh, the companies to break, you know, the environmental laws uh, during the pandemic so as a cso right when you keep hearing the news like you know there's a credit crunch there's a cash flow crunch um, mm-hmm. there is so much inventory we don't know how to deal with it etc cetera, etc cetera. people aren't really talking about the the all the things that you just told me about right how important it is to talk about environment especially in an industry like cement which has made such a big transition in the last few years so how yeah. do you deal with that right and what do you do to ensure that um as the leader of the cement production, producers in India, that you stay on track.
0: Bob, so, uh, uh, what I understood is uh, uh, how how do you deal with the uh, environmental laws or how do you comply with the environmental laws? Is that
1: uh, the thing you are uh, asking me? Uh, more about uh, in, in today's circumstances when you have uh, like when you're talking in times of corona, right when the economy has taken such a huge hit, right? Uh, and plants are just about to begin opening up, right? Mm-hmm. Where the entire focus will be to ensure that you are achieving your uh, revenues, profits, your people aren't getting laid off, right, et cetera. There isn't uh, a there isn't a lot of talk about the environment. There isn't a lot of lot of talk about sustainability. Uh, there isn't a lot of talk. There isn't any talk at all about circular economy, especially in such a huge industry like cement. So, as the C S O of the largest producer uh, in the country. How do you uh, think about it? How? What is your take on that? And how do you ensure that it, even during these testing times, you stay focused on your goal of, you know, ensuring that uh, profitability versus sustainability is not a question asked, and it's always profitability along with sustainability.
0: Um, so uh, thanks, and this is a very important question. And uh, you know, if you if I had to talk about sustainability. Uh, Sustainability is all about creating value for stakeholders and sustainability is uh, nothing but business continuity and when I talk about business continuity it's uh, uh, you know it, it, has the, uh, it, has, it has to, the business has to con- remain, uh, you know, continue and to, to the, if business has to continue, you have to have economic sustainability. If you know the three pillars of uh, sustainability, it's the uh, socio-economic and environmental sustainability and you, the, this is a myth actually, uh, sustainability means green or sustainability means only environment No, it's not. So environment and green is maybe a 30, 33 percent of the whole uh, uh, whole pie of the sustainability. Uh, But sustainability is uh, definitely creating value for your stakeholders. And when you talk about value for stakeholders, there are uh, there are eight, nine stakeholders right from your uh, suppliers to consumers, to government, uh, to your employees, to your communities. To media, to opinion makers, and there are seven, eight stakeholders. And unless and until you create for all these stakeholders, your business is not going to be sustainable. And climate sustainability is definitely one part of this. But economic sustainability is very important. Social sustainability is also very important. So, right now, you can't say focus is not on climate sustainability or eco- environmental sustainability. Uh, definitely the focus, our priority is economic sustainability and social sustainability. Uh, but uh, at the end, uh, this thing will be uh, um, uh, the uh, overall planet sustainability. And when we talk about planet sustainability, is the um, uh, overall the climate sustainability and the environmental sustainability will definitely come into it. Today, the priority is definitely uh, the economic sustainability, how can we put our operations back, how can we make sure that, you know, uh, all employees have their job how can we make sure that the people associated with us, the community, uh, their livelihood is protected? Those kind of focus you, we, we may have. But eventually the goals and the uh, climate change related goals are never short term. They are very long term goals, minimum 10 to 15 years uh, goals are there. And these phase, what we are facing right now is a short term phase, May may remain there for four to six months. But beyond that, again, the focus will shift to climate
1: change right uh, that's a very interesting perspective sir. In. so uh, when you brought up uh, the different stakeholders, right, one of them was regulatory and I think that sort of links to this question. So when we say that uh, there's a lot of shift that is happening in the cement industry, we also talk about the regulatory perspective, right like it was like you were told uh, that you know you, you have to follow the ESG norms. Uh, waste has to be reused or the amount of uh, there's a carbon tax, et cetera right? So how has the regulatory uh, landscape changed? And the second part of that question is very, very specific to Corona because of the short term thing that you mentioned. So are you saying that, uh, let's say what Trump did in, in the US, uh, when he said that it's okay to, you know, break environmental laws during the times of a pandemic? Do you think that is something you are okay with? Or you would be, you know, you think it's okay, especially in the short term for the four to six months, because there are people's jobs on the line? or do you think uh, that we should have a different perspective
0: no i don't see any reason to play around with the regulation and you always need to be on the right side of the uh, regulation as such there is no necessity and if you see some of the uh, some of the uh, regulations or the uh, laws which are applicable to cement industry uh, whether uh, whether you are running at uh, 30% load 50% load 70% load or 100% load those anyway has to comply with and uh, it has got no bearing on uh, uh, you know uh, how much uh, uh, how much uh, capacity utilization you have today when we are uh, when we want to come back or when we want to uh, restart or when we want to um, try to uh, have a business as usual I think we will have to slowly ramp up our production capacities and all and there is no question of playing around with the regulation let's say for example the norms which are uh, there uh, the emission norms maybe uh, the air pollution maybe the SOx, NOx. so they are uh, you know the, uh, the these are all intensity based and uh, you know how much it is uh, it, it is you know the uh, micrograms uh, or the kgs per uh, ton of cement which is produced uh, so it hardly matters, you know. So there is no reason why we should not be playing with the, and in fact we can't, uh, uh, you know, uh, deviate from the rules which are laid down. We will anyway have to. We, we can't shut our pollution control uh, devices and produce uh, uh, the cement because the, it is linked to the productivity also. And uh, so if you shut some this um, uh, switch off something, uh, it will impact on the productivity. Uh, there are certain other uh, regulations which are there, you know, like uh, the uh, renewable energy obligations or, uh, uh, you know, the uh, perform achieve trade uh, from the Ministry of uh, Energy. Uh, so those kind of thing in the long run, definitely will be meeting. And if at all we are not meeting that, uh, I'm sure government may give some uh, concession like they have uh, given in case of, uh, you know, some financial uh, this thing. Uh, I think they will be considerate about this also.
1: Understood. So, so you're saying that majorly we should be complying with it because now it has become a part of how we function, right? Which is in itself a huge achievement. So, kudos to that, right? That you are saying environmental sustainability is a core value that you guys are there to. So that that is that is really great, and we should be complying to it no matter what, uh, and we will try and achieve it. Uh, but if there is something, then there might be a concession. So. The only reason I was asking uh, this particular point, and we'll again talk about the regulatory landscape, is that I've, I'm trying to think of Corona uh, pandemic as maybe an opportunity in disguise uh, for every person who is in who wants to move towards a sustainable future, right? Who wants uh, circular economy practices to be adopted? And I I thought that uh, given that you've been leading the charge in the country for uh, the cement industry. Uh, you'd be the best person to ask that and and, and thank you for sharing your opinion. So uh,
0: it's an opportunity in disguise you know uh, if we have to talk about the economics you know we may have to get into a, another session honestly speaking. Uh, <laughs> you know that itself is a big subject and which industry is going to get impacted which industry is going to get not impacted uh, but that's yeah. Cement industry is uh, concerned. I mean, overall, there will be a, uh, a kind of demand. Uh, the, the opportunity is definitely lost. Uh, what we could have sold in the month of uh, March or April. Uh, perhaps we may not be able to get back to March and April. We may be able to sell, uh, sell this thing. Now it all depends upon how market responds. Uh, if you know the ramp up happens very fast, you know uh, we may be able to whatever we had planned to sell in the 2021. We may be able to meet those targets. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, looking at uh, current uh, this thing and government spending also government is also losing about 2 2.5 lakh crore uh, every month in, term, in the form of gst and all so which area they uh, reduce spending it it will also be a uh, it will be interesting to see uh, uh, so it all depends upon that uh, but uh, to some industry definitely health and hygiene those industry will definitely get benefited about it for cement industry uh, uh, I'm optimistic. There is definitely some hit going to be there for each industry. Uh, but uh, looking at the infrastructure development, low cost housing and other initiatives which government has taken, I'm, uh, you know, optimistic about cement industry.
1: You got it. That, that's really great. And, um, so- uh, so, so, in your opinion, uh, how has the so so when we talked about this regulatory landscape that you just spoke about the low income housing etc. There's also been a huge focus on sustainable infrastructure from the government, right? So we have seen a huge shift in the regulatory landscape overall. Uh, what's your take on that? Uh, on the uh,
0: on the you are talking about uh, shift in the regulatory landscape on the government. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Much upon, honestly speaking, because I have been discussing except this, uh, uh, the plastic waste management rule which has come uh, in the year 2016, uh, i haven't seen much uh, changes happening into uh, there could be some industry specific norms they have uh, put in place uh, but otherwise you know the only uh, important or significant thing which has come is the extended producer responsibility which talks about uh, you know uh, polluters to prey principle and uh, if you are polluting or if you are generating waste then it is your own responsibility to uh, get that waste back and uh, recycle or reuse that waste. That's the significant change which has happened uh, on the, uh, when we uh, talk about sustainability on the regulatory landscape.
1: Right. So, so as a CSO, when you're clearly pointing out the lack uh, of, of initiative from the government's part, at, till now at least, is there any particular thing that you think is a no-brainer that the government should definitely go ahead and implement honestly speaking the regulations which we have are uh, good enough actually
0: and uh, they okay. are it is only about the implementation piece uh, now when we are talking about uh, climate change uh, government has definitely come out with the uh, the nationally determined commitment and you must be aware that uh, government has decided to 35 uh, percent of the um, uh, Uh, The carbon footprint which was there uh, in 2005 uh, by 2030 and then uh, you know renewable energy of 175 gigawatts by 2022 those kind of things, which and then 3% carbon sink and all which you are uh, Pretty much aware about and government is taking definitely taking initiatives in that direction Uh, Government has put some additional coal says uh, which you must be aware and uh, uh, government is promoting renewable energy, uh, so uh, initially they had talked about uh, 100 mega, 100 gigahertz of uh, uh, solar power, now of course people are talking about 400 uh, gigahertz. So there is a boom in um, uh, the uh, solar power also. Uh, so, government is trying to achieve it through various routes rather than they, rather just, just uh, you know, uh, having some new regulations and, uh, uh, you know, creating a roadblock for the manufacturing industry. They are finding out various other ways, at the same time implementation of existing regulations, they are making sure that we, they are effectively implementing those.
1: Definitely, with the extended producer responsibility, etc., they are doing that. So is there anything that you, like, if if you were to, let's say, you know, recommend to the government, what, like, if there is anything that you think, uh, especially for the cement industry, uh, should be recommended, like, to the government? Since we are discussing on
0: circular economy, I will talk about, you know, developing a kind of ecosystem. Uh, now cement industry has a huge appetite uh, to uh, digest the waste from other industries but at the same time the ecosystem doesn't exist uh, you know some waste producer is located maybe 1000 kilometers uh, into uh, uh, maybe apart and then uh, transporting his waste uh, from that place to cement plant and uh, uh, you know uh, certain again uh, you know the uh, uh, the whole uh, Modality, how he will transport, what kind of uh, uh, mode of transport he the will logistics, have, logistics yeah. and all those kind of thing uh, ecosystem is required. So government is working on it. Uh, I, I I was also part of a consultative network on national resource efficiency policy, and they are largely focusing on through various uh, other industry bodies like FIKI, CII, we have been participating and making representations to uh, the Niti Ayok on you know four type of four or five major West you know the first one is of course the construction and demolition West, the uh, automotive West is uh, a big thing textile waste is big thing, uh, then, uh, you know, electronic uh, waste is uh, something which is very important. So these four or five categories of waste, uh, which contributes to a major uh, uh, portion of the waste which is generated uh, in the country. Uh, so their uh, uh, kind of ecosystem and whole policy government has to come out with uh, how it will be if if they don't uh, comply with the uh, this thing, what kind of penalties would be there. So whole infrastructure ecosystem, there has to be organized player has to come and play into it. Uh, right now, only small scale people in you know, an organized sector is... Uh, uh, playing so i will stick to you know uh, uh, development of an ecosystem for whole uh, this uh,
1: waste uh, recycling or circular economy okay. which is very true right i mean we this is something that has been brought up multiple times right that india has a huge unorganized sector we have the jugaad economy and we need to figure out how to bridge the gap between the organized and the unorganized if we are to make any headway into you know like from policy to implementation and from uh, a, a, an aspiration to achieve a circular economy to an actually achieving a circular economy. So I'm I'm very like with you on this point like uh, wholeheartedly. So I mean I think this has been quite uh, informative, right? Uh, but as a layman, right? I mean everybody lives in houses. We have we use cement, but we never really understand the points that you brought up, right? The different types of cements, uh, the different types of materials, clinkerization, etc., right? So, if the consumers had a say, right? Uh, how do you like make? How do you bring this awareness to them? How do you ensure that they have a voice, uh, a, a, like and between choosing products that are more sustainable, uh, like as compared to some other uh, sustainability products, especially because there are so much there's so much technicality in all of this that not everybody will be able to grasp this. And the reason I'm asking this is that the whole point of this podcast is to raise awareness around circular economy amongst millennials and gen z right who are tomorrow's future so if we are able to tell them today that you know you should be using uh, this type of blended cement or you should at least be asking this uh, or you should be moving towards more sustainable infrastructure green tag buildings etc there will be a grassroots movement right there will be people who will be more aware and asking more questions and i think that is the first step that we need to take so how do you propose uh, like we can do that so they don't have to get into the technicalities of that. Uh, they just have to see the
0: environment product declaration. And I would say, uh, you know, it's straight. Uh, you know, they, go, they should go for Green Pro Select, Green Pro Certified Cement. You know, uh, IGBC has come out with the Green Pro Certification of the cement. And many of the cement industry, and I, I'm not pushing for my products, of course. Our products are definitely Green Pro Certified. And, uh, uh, you know, they should go for Green Pro Certified that that uh, is certifies that this cement is manufactured in an eco-friendly manner or this is a sustainable cement and as long as they see that green tag on it uh, they should be using like uh, when we buy a refrigerator or air conditioner uh, we see that be rating three star four star five star likewise you will find uh, you know the green pro certification for our products also Uh, so they should go for this green certified product or environmental product declaration
1: Wow. I mean, I honestly did not know that, that there's literally a tag uh, on a cement bag, which says that it is environmentally friendly and I think that is
0: all. Yeah, tag. I don't know whether it's still there, it's, it's there or not, but you can definitely refer, uh, you know, if you're buying in a bulk one, you uh, go to the website and find out, you know, which are this cement, uh, this thing are Green Pro certified and go for it.
1: When, when Very you- interesting. And... Uh, yeah, like very, very cool, right? Because it is that simple. <laughs> I mean, I would not think that it would be that simple because there is this inherent belief in all of us, including me, that, oh my god, I'm talking about cement, which is just all sorts of chemicals. But uh, there is a very simple way to figure out which is most sustainable and which has been made from a lot of waste, et cetera. Uh, I just certainly hope that people actually go ahead and check whether their cement is this and push their b- builders, et cetera, to do this. Uh, again, so wow. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, i think this has been incredibly incredibly helpful uh, and, and and informative mr Alvin. Uh, any any last words to let's say a budding entrepreneur out there uh, who might be you know thinking about moving towards a more uh, sustainable business right from right from the get go like what would you tell them uh, like if you were to give any advice so,
0: if they are a service provider or they are a, you know, manufacturing company, what they should do is they should do the life cycle assessment of their product, and at each node of the life cycle, they should identify what is the environmental burden which we are, which they, he is creating, uh, and uh, try to minimize that environmental burden and uh, I can I can clearly uh, say that based on my experience that anything you do on sustainability will will reduce your cost and uh, which increases your uh, uh, profitability and I have established that by various way I told you about cement industry the moment you reduce CO2 footprint uh, it directly uh, reduces the energy which is going into that cement production and the cost would come down. Definitely. So uh, likewise, in every product, if you at the every stage of the life cycle, if you identify what is the environmental burden which is being created and if you try to minimize that environmental burden, your product will be sustainable and your product will be uh, you will be in a
1: position to have uh, better profitability. Right. So, uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Mr. Arvind. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on board. And I personally learned a lot. And I sincerely hope that other people who tune in would also learn a lot uh, about the cement industry.
0: Thanks, Ashwath. And thanks to Infinity Box for uh, giving me this opportunity.
1: Thanks. Hey, listeners. I really hope you enjoyed this podcast. Stay tuned for weekly episodes on bending the lines as we give you a circular lens of industries. Do follow Infinity Box and support us in the journey of a circular world. Until next time, this is your host, Shashwat Gangwar, signing off.